0: Whatever it may be, Lord, I pray that your word, as we, uh, as we dive into it, would encourage them. And uh, again, we ask, just uh, let me get out of the way so you can do the work, Lord. And we thank you. And, um, and, and we just ask that this word be yours and, and not mine. And uh, we pray for the Holy Spirit to, uh, to show us application, to allow us to live it. And we thank you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. All right, I entitled this, uh, Christ is Born, the Cradle, the Cross, and the Crown. Christ is Born, the Cradle, the Cross, and the Crown. We'll look at the Cradle, verses 5 through 7, the Cross, verse 8, and then the Crown, verses 9 and 11. It's funny, we were talking, as you were talking, Pastor Roy was talking about Pastor um, Hector and Jen, today's his last day of teaching there in Guanajuato, and so we were praying for him this morning, and... Um, you know, just the the tearing of the hearts of, of of saying goodbye to people that you've been in ministry with for six years, and um, and and so keep them in prayer as they will make their way back to uh, uh, to San Antonio and then and you know be um, be serving here uh, and and taking over for Pastor Jim. So we uh, we pray for that transition and uh you know, just thank you, and we're excited to have him back i mean selfishly we want him back here uh but I mean, at the end of the day, we do pray for david and uh and gabby as well, and just ask that you be with them and um, and and encourage them uh as they are being as david's being ordained today you know what a blessing for that, so keep them in prayer for sure um we're looking at as as we look at this verse in in Philippians chapter two. Um, one of the things that I I love is that I love Christmas, um, and I think sometimes Christmas seems to start earlier every year. That you know, it, you can see it at Walmart and before Halloween even happens, they already have the Christmas decorations going up, and um, and that's a good thing. But I think sometimes we can have the the tendency to look at Christmas through a commercial uh, perspective, and uh, and and instead of looking at uh, all the presents and the tree, we 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 take our focus off the presence of Jesus, and um, we need to remember what that's truly about. Uh, the number one network that's on from November till uh, December is Hallmark. Why is that? because they show all those romantic movies and families getting together and Christmases that are un- unbelievable. And we fantasize about that. And, and we try to make our Christmases that way and it doesn't come out. And, and so again, our, our focus, our presence should be on Christ. Christ. And if we do that, everything's going to work itself out. Um, uh, putting Christ first and having, our, having a mind among ourselves as, as Christ Jesus is what we, we should have, the same attitude. And I love, you know, if you, if you go a little further, if you want to read further uh, later on, if you go to Philippians chapter 2, I believe it's in verse uh, 12, when it tells you to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's a therefore there. And that therefore actually goes all the way back to verse 1. And it tells you not to be conceited, to always have, the, to be thinking of others. And, and then we see, have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, right? And, and that attitude that, that he's talking about is a, a, the attitude of a servant, the attitude of being humble, the attitude of, of being obedient to Christ. So when you read that verse and you see, work out your salvation, you should be a humble servant who's obedient to God. And that's really what our prayer should be for this Christmas. Uh, and uh, so I have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus in verse 5. And so that attitude that we see there is, is the attitude is shown as, as uh, Jesus had the attitude of a humbling, humbling himself not only to become a man, but he humbled himself to take the very nature of a servant. He also humbled himself to be, uh, to submit, uh, obedient to death, even death by crucifixion. And, you know, um, in verse 6 it says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count in equality with God a thing to be grasped. And that word form is actually morphe in, in, the, uh, in the Greek, and it means the unchanging, the eternal, the internal, right? And that word actually means the outward expression of an inward nature, and so this means that eternity past, uh, Jesus Christ was God, right? So Jesus was always God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and and I think what happens is is I have been there. We had this conversation when we took the shoeboxes up to um, uh, for Regardless Dale Moore, and me and my wife had the conversation and. and my Christmas was completely commercial growing up as a kid and my wife's Christmas was Catholic and and I asked her I was like why what was it for Christmas for y'all why, why did y'all go to church and it was out of reverence of Jesus that Jesus was born and I was like we didn't even know I, I sat in church and didn't know why Jesus came I thought Jesus came on the scene you know at christmas right and we know that you know if you look at the festivals and and the things that it's not exactly on december 25th right but this is the day that we celebrate christ and um and and so ours was completely commercial it was all about santa and 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 you know i i i say this with with my dad always tells me about a Pastor that he had a friend of his. He's been pastor for twenty something years, and in, uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, and he had a uh, service, and he, he the name of the service was uh, Santa's not real, but Jesus is, and the parents lost their minds, and uh, because they were like, how dare you tell our kids! <laughs> You know, and you go through that whole thing. And my dad always laughs about it, but he goes, you know what, if Jesus is eternal, he's always been, who should we celebrate? You're celebrating somebody who's fake, you know? And, and, and so at the end of the day, we did. We grew up with that. We grew up with the lie. And, and sadly, the, the, the Christmas was not about the Christ. It was about how much more presents we can shove under the tree. And and um Jesus has always been with us, and, and we should celebrate him every day. Not just on December 25th. In John chapter 8, verse 58, it says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And Jesus is God with us. One of the greatest verses I love in the Bible there's two that that I'm going to share with y'all one of these is John chapter 1 verses 1 through 4 In the beginning was the word who was the word Jesus And the word was with God and the word was God He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made In him was life and the life was the light of men so we see John marks at the very beginning, going all the way back to Genesis, reminding us of Genesis, the opening book of the Bible. And he tells us that uh, that Jesus' life event, it took place before the beginning because of of eternity. In the beginning was the Word, not at the beginning, uh, not from the beginning, but in the beginning because Jesus was already there. In Colossians chapter one verse fifteen, it says he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. So again, the the is the unchanging, the internal. In Hebrews chapter one verses one through three. Long ago, at times, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last day, days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after uh, making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So uh, Lord Jesus abandoned his sovereign position to be born. And Jesus did not think of himself, he thought of others. And that was his attitude. It was, it was unselfish. It was always the mind of Christ to think of others. And that should be the same mind that we should have. But I think sometimes we can, you know, make ourselves the center of attention. And, and we have to be very careful with that, especially as believers. So it says, who in verse 6, who there, though he was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God at a thing to be grasped. And I love that word because he, he, he talks about Jesus did not cling to the authority of the privileges of His deity. He let go. And we read this, and, and one of the things that I uh, that when I read that verse and I think about the thing to be grasped, I, I think, what are we clinging to during the holidays? Even as believers in Christ, what are we clinging to? Still, he seeks the fellowship of his people and he sends both sorrows and joys in order to separate their love from other things and attach it to himself. So sometimes we go through testing, we go through things of suffering for growth. But that part of that growth and that maturity that we're supposed to go through is to do what? Is to get us to stop clinging to our own ways and cling to Christ. So what are you clinging to this Christmas? Are you clinging to the bright lights of the mall? Are you clinging to the, the bright lights of the, uh, of, of the stars of North Star and the big boots? Right? Or have you started clinging to the true light? The one that we're supposed to be worshiping this time of year. Maybe you have a tight grasp on the gifts for everyone and you're maxing out your credit cards so you can fill the tree. But you've forgotten about the presence of Christ this Christmas. You focus on the presence under the tree. And and I'll just share this with you. My mom and dad divorced when I was... We were probably six or seven. It was right in between that age. And from that point on, Christmas was always about my mom trying to make up for that decision. And so every year it was like, how much further can the presence go from the tree? And it was never about the presence of Christ, ever. Um, Christmas was uh, watching my dad get drunk and then stumble into Midnight Mass, along with all my other relatives that were drunk. And that's what Christmas was to us as we grew up. And, and I think to myself, you know, um, when I look at Christmas, I, I see that for a long time now, And we were at, uh, we were with Mitch, Pastor Mitch, this past weekend at the Old Country Christmas at Castorville. And they served at the, uh, they had over 250 booths. And one of the things I love is they had the opening of the, um, in the middle of downtown Castorville, they had the Christmas lighting. And they actually had the nativity, a live nativity scene done by the church by one of the other churches in the area, and they actually read Scripture. They lit the tree, and they read read Scripture of Jesus' birth, and that's how the event started. And I thought to myself, you know how rare this is? You know, as the city gets bigger, Satan will do everything he can to stop that from happening. Because Let me tell you something, there was a lady they had singing an hour later, and she you know said she goes I, I Maybe I shouldn't do this. Well, I guess I'll go ahead and I said no you shouldn't have The Holy Spirit was trying to tell you and then she does black magic woman. And I was like what is wrong with you? You have all these kids out here that are out here celebrating Being with their families. They just heard the Christmas story But Satan always wants to do what he can do to make Christmas about him That's why it's so commercial Think about it from the '50s to the '60s to the 70s to the 80's to now. And, and it's changed dramatically. But the one thing we have to remember is from the moment from the moment that sin entered the world, Jesus was coming. We can go all the way back to Genesis chapter three, verse 15, and it says, "I will put enmity between you and the woman and, and between you, your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head." and you shall bruise his heel. And so from that point on, Satan was trying to destroy that seed from ever being born. He tried to take out the the Israelites, tried to take out Abraham. He he tried to kill David. What kind of spirit took over Saul? It was an evil spirit. I mean, Saul says, hey, marry my daughter. Not because he he was a great guy, because I'm going to make a snare so I can kill him. Satan has always done King Herod, probably part of a Christmas story you'll never hear taught, right? About the killing of all those babies because he wanted to kill the Messiah so he could be king of the Jews. That's all Satan. And let me tell you, Jesus has been born And there's victory because Jesus has been born. But now let me tell you something. Every time you have something godly, Satan's going to try to make something ungodly. He's going to try to create a counterfeit. And as believers in Christ, we have to be very careful not to get wrapped up in that. It's so easy for us to go back to the old life. And we have to be careful. In verse 7 it says, But he emptied himself by taking the form of a, of a servant being born in the likeness of man. So Jesus left the glory of heaven to be born on this earth. And Paul traced the steps of, uh, in humiliation of Christ. He says he emptied himself laying aside the independent use of his own attributes as God. He, second, he has permanently become a, hum, a human in a sinless physical body. Third, he used that body to be a servant. And fourth, he took that body to the cross and willingly died. And first of all, he gave up his glory in John chapter 17, verse 5. It says, Now the Father uh, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with, your, uh, with you before the world existed. And secondly, he gave up his honor in Isaiah 53 3. And says he was despised and rejected by man and man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from uh, whom he, uh, men hid, his, hid their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Thirdly, he gave up his riches. In second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, uh, for you know the grace of, of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich." And when we look at that about poverty, Jesus came into a manger. We know the story, right? We know that they go out and tell the shepherds. The shepherds couldn't even testify in court. They didn't trust Him. They weren't even allowed to be in the temple. They were unclean. And who does the news go out to? The shepherds. See. We have an economy that's built on the more you have, the better you are. But in, in kingdom, the, the, the kingdom economy, it's from the bottom up. Jesus came as a as a suffering servant in poverty. Right? But who's better who who's got more? He does. And and so when we look at things, we, we look at them as, as you know, why, would, why wouldn't He come in? Why wouldn't He announce it in the temple? Why would they announce it to the shepherds? You know, it's, it's because He's going out and, and He's doing it because He's... In that verse it says, Yet for, for your sake He became poor so that by His poverty might become rich. And fourthly, He gave up His favorable relationship to the Father... See, we forget this. As He's on the cross, He has to take that sin, our sin, on the cross. And He says, and, and this goes all the way back in Psalm 22, 1, as you look at prophecies of Jesus, is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And also in Matthew chapter 27, verse 46, that groaning, that separation of, of absor- absorbing that on the cross, our sin, and being separated from the Father but He also gave up His independent exercise of His authority. In John chapter 6, verse 38, For I will have come down from heaven not to do My own will, but the will of Him who sent Me. He submitted to the Father. He submitted to the Father, taking the form of a servant. A servant. The example that we have is is we have Jesus... uh, as a, as a servant, serving, and He teaches us. In John chapter 13, verses 14 through 17. You want to know what you're supposed to be doing this Christmas? That's right here. If I then, your Lord, teacher, Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. Anybody who says they don't know what God's will is for their life, that's right there. He's given you the example. If God tells you, I've given you an example, what do you think He should be doing? The example that was given. I've given you the example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you, as a servant is not greater than his master, nor he who is sent greater than he who sent you. sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So are you serving this Christmas? Are you being served? Because in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to have joy this Christmas? Serve others. Serve others. There are people hurting, people struggling. It's an opportunity for you to pray and, and, and to, to have them over to your house and open your doors. You know, do something for someone else. Being born in the likeness of men. This is the other verse in, in John chapter 1, verse 14. And this is uh, actually the, uh, one of the verses I love. It's a, it's a great verse to teach on Christmas as well. And the Word became flesh. And dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glorious uh, as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. You realize that when they saw Jesus, this is the first time that they could do that, Moses couldn't even do that. right? He, he, he tells them, "You can't see me. But now we have the true light. Jesus comes and, and why? Because he always God always wants to be with us ever since the garden. That's why the tabernacle was built, that's why the temple was built, that's why Jesus came. He's always wanted to be with us. You can look 700 years before this uh, with his birth in Isaiah chapter seven verses 14 through 15. As the prophecy has been foretold and answered, and, and therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when He knows how to refuse evil and choose the good. Why curds and honey? That's the diet of, of poverty. He's going to be poor. That's, that's the diet of poverty during those times. Didn't have anything. It's not like God said, "Okay, we're going to put you up at the, at the Hyatt, right downtown, top floor, right?" Curtains and honey. In Jeremiah chapter twenty-three, verse five, it also in another prophecy, "Behold, the days are coming," declares the Lord, "When I will raise up uh, for David righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness." In the land so we see the prophecies being foretold right and and I love there's an example of a, a mathematician who actually did the math on the prophecies and he said that you could fill the state of Texas up to your knees with silver coins and I'm gonna mark one of them just one in red on both sides and I'm gonna go drop it somewhere while I leave you in Louisiana or New Mexico right then I'm going to let you go wherever you want, whether it's in Dallas, y'all are in Abilene, so that's a long drive, El Paso, head down to the coast, to Laredo, maybe over to to Houston, and I'm going to let you close your eyes and put your hand down and pick one of them up. The chances of you picking one of those up is the answer of the prophecies of Jesus. That's how amazing those prophecies are that they were answered. Anyone who tells you that he can't believe in the Bible needs to read the Bible. It's there. It's there. But you need to be able to answer why you read the Bible, right? See, in our culture, what we do is we we promote Jesus as just being another religious leader. You'll hear people say, well, he was just a good person trying to do good things for people. And a lot of times people will think he was just somebody who just came on the scene 2,000 years ago. That's a lie. It's all lies. We know that regardless of what religious leaders there are out there that believe this mess, we know that he came as a Savior. Jesus didn't need a Savior. He was the Savior. So you can read all the prophecies for telling the birth of Christ, but name me one prophecy you can read about Muhammad. In the book of Islam, there's not one. Not one. There's none on Joseph Smith in the book of Mormonism. None. Right? And, and you know, we have to understand when we look at Scripture, we have to be able to, as believers, to, to be able to say why Jesus was born what He came for, and why we study the Bible, right? And I asked this question to a group of men this week, and I looked like somebody just like a deer in headlights. It scares me, because you have to be able to answer that question. Why do I believe in Jesus, and why do I choose to believe in the Bible? I'll give you, this is mine. I choose to believe in the Bible because it's a reliable collection of historical documents written down by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses that report to us the supernatural events of that that took place of fulfillment and specific prophecies and claim that the writings are divine rather than human in origin. If I talk about the book of Islam, if I talk about uh, the book of Mormonism, those are human origin books. human origin. This is a divine book. It's God-breathed. It's 66 books written over a a period of 1,500 years. Written by 40 human authors with different backgrounds and and tax collectors, fishermen, shepherds. Three different languages. The Bible is the most important book in, in the history of mankind because it is without error. It's without error. It holds the questions to some of the biggest answers that we need. From where did I come from? Why am I here? What happens to me when I die? And above all of this, the Bible has the one unified message and in the one thing that's, that's center in the whole Bible is the Messiah, Jesus. And so anybody that believes that Jesus is just an angel is a lie. It's a lie. But see, we have to be able to answer a question on why we believe what we believe. We believe that that Jesus is God the Father, God the Spirit, and God the Son. But we have to be able to answer that question. And and people have questions that need to be answered. Like, why do you believe? I sat in church trying to figure out, well, why, why did Jesus come? Why? I remember the first time we showed up at church at Grace Calvary Chapel. It was January, or was actually, that's when I gave my life to the Lord. It was in November of 2008. We showed up. Our marriage was done. Wife left. She had had enough of me. And I sat in that church as Joe taught the book of Luke, and I thought to myself, well, why did Jesus come? I, I, I've i been, you know, I, I really hadn't attended church and I needed to know the answers. And, and we were taught. Joe went through all that. And I was like, wow, he actually, there was a purpose for him coming. There was a purpose for him dying. There was a purpose for him being resurrected. I didn't know all this. But you have no clue. Like when people show up at your church, what they, they, they don't know. And you need to be able to answer those questions. So know why you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Know why that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And know why that you believe that Jesus died on the cross for the sins of this world and was resurrected and defeated death so that you could have eternal life and that you could be forgiven of your sins. That's why He came. We see the cross here in verse eight. It says, "In uh, being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to to the point of death, even death on the cross." So D- Jesus ad- again adopted a, a selfless posture. How far did he go with humility? Well, he washes the feet of the twelve disciples, and yet he designed their brains. Right. Here he is on earth, and he's hungry, and yet he created the whole universe. He created life, and yet died for his creation. He died the death of a criminal on the cross, and he went all the way thinking of others, thinking of us, and paying the cost for every, every person that would want to follow him. He took that sin upon him on the cross. And and you know, serving in and ministry is one thing that I've learned is real simply is this going to cost you something. Uh, to follow Jesus is it's a free gift of salvation. But once you decide to follow him, he's going to begin to transform your life and 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 um, and and once you start to serve Christ, you, you realize that ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. And, and I love what Dr. J. Hewitt says. He says that if there is to be blessings, there must be bleeding. That's a hard way of hearing that, right? And so when I think of the cross, I think, man, Jesus' whole life from the manger to the tomb was marked all the way to the end with genuine humility. He was humble all the way to the end. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Right. And we see the crown in verses 9 and 11. It says, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above, uh, that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so when men actually uh, placed Jesus in the tomb, that was the last thing that any human hands had did to Him. You ever think about that? The last thing. And from that point on, it was God who worked. Men had done their worst to the Savior. From the time of His birth, they have to move him to Egypt because King Herod decides, I'm going to kill the Messiah. The angel of the Lord comes and tells him he have to come. But you know what's crazy is there's a prophecy that says that he has to come from Egypt. There's another prophecy that's answered in the Old Testament. And We gave him a, a ridiculous, uh, we, we called him names and spit on him and slandered him. But the Father gave Him a glorious name. He was given the name Jesus here on earth, but the exaltation says He's given the name Lord. And we see in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, if anybody ever asks you why Jesus came, Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 is the answer. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. That's as easy as it gets, right? You don't have to be a great theologian to to understand that. Why did Jesus come? To save His people from their sins, right? He ascended to the Supreme, the Prince of Peace, and uh, God the Father's reaction in verse 9, therefore God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that, that is above every name. So we have the cradle and the cross and the crown and, and God lifted them up above, uh, beyond the heavens and we can see in verse 10 it says, so that, that the name of Jesus every, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Notice that he's given the name above every name. The name of Jesus. He's given the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And, and when we read that every knee... Should bow. I think this is one of the things that we have to understand is that you will bow either in submission or you'll bow in restraint. You have a choice to make. You'll bow in submission or bow in restraint. To bow actually means that you've chosen to follow Jesus, it means salvation. You surrender your life over to Him and ask Him into your heart. To bow before Him in judgment means condemnation. See, everybody has eternal life. We all do. But we have two addresses for that. You either follow Jesus here, right? And you have eternity with Him in heaven. Or you face judgment and, um, and you'll spend eternity in hell. Right? See, we don't talk about that much, and and, and uh, you know, I, I, Joe explained that to us, and I thought, man, that's so so brilliant because it's so easy to to figure out. You know, am I going to live forever? Oh yeah, you will. But there are two addresses: either with Jesus or or in hell. And and so by you bow in salvation, right, and bow in submission, or you bow in restraint, to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. And so if you don't make the choice here on earth, it's too late once you see him. That's too late. All it takes is one one sin, not sins. One. You can't your good's not gonna outweigh your bad? It doesn't matter how many times you pray to to Allah. That that stuff ain't gonna work. You're not going to come back, recreate him into a caterpillar or cricket. That's not going to happen. See, all this stuff is being taught. You're not going to be somebody's angel or spirit. That's, that stuff's not going to happen. You're going to face judgment. If you don't choose to follow Jesus here, there's a purpose for Christ coming. In Isaiah chapter 45, verse 23, it says, uh, Isaiah 45, 23, it says, by myself I have sworn from my mouth has gone out and, and righteousness a word uh, that shall not return. To me every knee should bow. Every tongue shall swear allegiance. Again, prophecy. Prophecy, 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 prophecy. Being answered time and time and time again. And Jesus is going to return. He's going to return. And so what is the real Christmas story? It's Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we share it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to do what? To fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Right? That's why I love prophecy. End of times, prophecy should excite you. It scares a lot of people. It should excite you because Jesus is returning. He's coming home for his bride. His church. In verse 23 it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. And and that's again the prophecy we just read. The Lord of glory left heaven and humbly came to bring us the gift of eternal life. So we see the babe in the manger was God giving himself completely away and yet remaining God. And what we... uh, what He is saying to us is let this mind be in you. Reach out to somebody else in need this Christmas. Because there are people hurting. There are people wanting to know what this thing is all about. Invite them to church. Invite them to church. The, the gift that we need is Jesus. And it shouldn't, shouldn't just be open on December 25th. It should be avail- It's available to us all the time. But there are gifts for you as believers. and in the Bible. I'm going to give you a couple of gifts that are in the Bible. We have the gift of a Savior. In Matthew, we just read this in Matthew 1, 21, and uh, Jesus was sent for us to save us from our sins, right? The second we have the gift of God's love in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 3. I have loved you, my people, with everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. We have the gift of God's grace in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by the grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. In John chapter 14, verse 27, we have the gift of God's peace. And that's what some of y'all need for Christmas, is peace. I am leaving you with this gift with the gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. That's what a lot of people need right now. They're searching, trying to figure out where they can find peace. And it's only going to be found in the Prince of Peace. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You have the gift of a brand new life in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You have the gift of freedom and from bondage and sin in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him, the power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And we have the gift of purpose in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. And we have the gift of prayer in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And this is the confidence which we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from Him. And finally, we have the gift of hope. And one more after that. Uh, We have the gift of hope in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Some of y'all need hope this Christmas. And I pray that the God of the source of the hope will fill you completely with joy and the peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow in confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you realize like when you are hopeful, it overflows out of you? It overflows out of you. Like, you know, Roy's telling me that they're building an apartment complex. It's like, praise God. Right behind y'all's church. You need people, Right? They're right behind you. Be hopeful that God's going to fill the church. You're getting a brand new building. Have hope in that. Come see us. Celebrate that. That Sunday needs to be a celebration. And I, I'm coming. So hopefully there'll be some barbecue. <laughs> no. But there should like there should be that hope, you know, as a as a church body, like there should be hope. And asking, y'all need to be praying for Pastor Roy to have a vision for 2020. What has God given him for 2020 for the church, for Calvary New Life? See, that's hope. Hey, maybe 2019 was hard, but we have hope. Right? We have hope in Christ. We look to Him, and then you have the greatest gift that God can give you, which is not only His Son, but His Word. Maybe you've struggled to be in God's Word in 2019. It's okay. Make 2020. Start, start fresh. Start getting into God's Word daily. We, have, uh, we know that God's Word is infallible, that it's inerrant, that it has without error. Um, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you're not in in God's word, who's lighting your path? And where are you getting pulled to? Because I guarantee you, Satan will lovely. He's like, hey man, you don't need to read that. Read your read your Instagram account. That's better. Right? Psalm 11905, 1, uh, you know, or Psalm uh Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16. I was thinking of Psalm one is what I was thinking of. Because we're supposed to be a tree, right? We're supposed to be in the Word, meditate on God's Word day and night. And you should be, you know, should be rooted like a tree, planted by the living Word, the, the the water, and those deeps need to be rooted deeply. And so, be in God's Word too. And and Psalm and Psalm one, I think it is, and, and it just it's a beautiful verse because it tells you, you know what? I'm gonna pull it up anyway. I do this all the time in men, so I, I'm sorry. If it comes to me the Holy Spirit, I need to go ahead and give it to you. Uh, and I'll read it to you real quick. See, there's no excuse. See how quick you have to word. Um, Psalm 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates on it day and night, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaves do not wither. It doesn't wither because it's next to the water, right But what happens when you when you decide not to be in the word? Uh, you start to get counsel from the wicked, you start to stand with sinners and next thing you know you start mocking, mocking God as scoffers. See, that's why the word is so important, and 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 so Second Timothy chapter three verse sixteen, last one on this, and and it's uh, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that every man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So don't don't neglect the gift of God's word. It's something God wants to, you know, the beauty of us coming to know Jesus Christ is that, that he, he has given us His Son, but He's given us His Word. And He wants a relationship with you. So as Roy talks about prayer, prayer is a, a very important part, not just as a believer's life, but as a church. And, and so being in prayer together, uh, being intentional, praying for the building, praying for the workers, praying for the owner. Uh, praying for every person that's going to be in those apartments that they'll come down and and if they need Christ that we can go and reach them. Um, But remember this, uh, the the greatest gift is Jesus Christ being born but also dying on the cross and being resurrected. It's the free gift of salvation. It's in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is the eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't cost us anything. In Romans chapter ten verse nine, it says, "If we confess with our, your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved." That's why Jesus came, to save the sinner. And um, you know, ask God. I I love if you you know you can do a number of different teachings just on Philippians chapter two verses five through three, but there's. uh, three main points that are in there, and that's, he, he talks about the humility of Christ, he talks about the obedience to the Father, and he talks about being a servant. And, and those are the three things as believers that we need to look to uh, as in our walk. Am I being humble or is there pride that's kind of crept in? Uh, and, and my being obedient to not only the father, but also obedient to those that are over me. Um, whether it's a mom, dad, or, or uh, you know, your pastor or whoever. Um, but at the same time, it might be in a servant. Because if you serve, you're last. Like me and Roy, we understand we're last, right? We're, and as a father, we're last. We're supposed to be last um, because we're serving our family. Uh, and that's something that that I pray that more men would would learn. I, I think they they forget that when they come home, they're uh, they're they're supposed to be served. They, they think they're supposed to be served. Their dinner should be ready, and they're you're there to serve. Like I tell guys all the time, before you walk in the door, pray because you're going into service. You're going to lead your family. You're the pastor of their home. And, and don't forget that, especially during Christmas, because you don't never know what kids are going through during the holidays. Uh, you never know what uh, what family members may be going through. You never know when somebody's going to need a word from the Lord, especially during this time of year. And uh, don't get focused on the commercialization. Uh, nothing wrong. I mean, I understand you're going to watch some of that stuff. I mean, It's a Wonderful Life and all that other stuff. and. So-and-so is going to get a bell and the angel, all that mess. is. But just remember, that's not what it's about. It's about Jesus being born. It's about us celebrating that Jesus was born, uh, that He died on the cross for the sins of this world, and that He was resurrected and defeated death, so that way we could have eternity, and eternity starts today. Eternity starts the moment that you give your life to Jesus, and He wants to use you in a mighty way and transform your life. So let's let's pray, and we'll close it out. and uh, And I'm going to pray for y'all's building, and uh, and pray for Pastor Roy. Let's uh, let's pray, Father God. We do thank you, Lord, for today. We thank you for getting everybody home safely from Abilene. Uh, we we uh, we thank you for just seeing Reese, uh, man. Eight, amazing, uh, the, the second and third place, man. Praise God. Uh, we pray for uh, for this church, for Calvary New Life. We pray that you'd be with them. We pray, pray that you'd be with Pastor Roy. We pray that you would provide that vision for 2020. Uh, as you are finishing up the building, Lord, it's been a, a two-year process. We pray that it would be a celebration uh, of... Uh, Of them not having to pack up equipment and and put away equipment and at the same time lord it just shows that uh through patience and endurance and perseverance what you do lord and um and and we just pray that you just continue to be with calvary new life be with each of the uh the people here that you just uh grow them encourage them let us find hope in what you're doing in this area lord that we can reach this community with the Gospel, with the good news. And we just thank You, just everything that You're doing, Lord. And we pray for this this message. We pray for application. If we don't know where to start, Jesus gave us the example by washing uh, washing the feet of others, which means serving others, having the attitude of serving. Let us have that in our lives, Lord. And I thank You so much for this day. And I pray for the ladies' uh, brunch this evening. Uh, our dinner this evening, that you be with them, that they would have a blessed time, and, and uh, just be with Miss Sheila and Miss Lori as they uh, prepare to, to share with the ladies, and uh, hope everybody makes it there safely. We thank you, and we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.